welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. Our guest today on the Think MHK podcast is one of our newest residents in Manhattan. Uh, at least in terms of, of of some of the leadership in our business community. Uh, she's been in town a few years, uh, but it's Mary Martell with Stormontville. Hey, Mary, how are you? Good. How are you, Jason? I'm great. So your title is Vice President and Regional Administrator. You've been with Stormontville for quite a while, but you just came into Manhattan. How long has it been now? It feels like it's been a year or two. Two years in two August, years. so I'm okay. getting there. So uh, one of the things that we ask our guests is to tell a little bit about themselves and their history and then how they ended up in Manhattan. Well, I think I'll start with how I ended up in Manhattan. I was talking to my parents about this to make sure I had the story right, but how I got here actually started with the K-State football game okay. in the early 1960s. So my parents lived at the time in Lincoln, Nebraska. And they may or may not have been Nebraska fans. That's okay. I lived in Nebraska 10 years. There, there's some good folks up there. For so. sure. Um, and they're both from the East Coast. So, you know, not a lot of allegiance in the Midwest. But they moved to Topeka later. But while they lived in Lincoln, they came with a group of football fans to K-State for a football game. And they were red. And, you know, they were on the Nebraska side. At that point in time, there was probably everybody in the stadium was red. Well, that's I, the point. So my yeah. dad tells a story about how he went to this K-State football game and everyone had on red and he kind of felt bad for K-State. And much like he's lived his life, he decided he kind of wanted to root for the underdogs. So when my parents moved to Topeka, they instantly became K-State fans. So that started us becoming a K-State family. I have five sisters and four of us went to K-State, including um, I went to K-State in the 1980s. So we've been, you know, fans ever since and have been here on and off over the years. And then I was able to move here with Stormont Vale two years ago. So it was meant to be since the 1960s. So you have been in Topeka your whole life then until you moved here two years ago? Correct. Other, than, other than when you were in college? Yep. Talk a little bit about Stormont Vale and how you ended up with the company? Stormont Vale is a 150-year-old company. We're an independent, not-for-profit integrated healthcare system. So really what that means is that we have one healthcare system that serves 15 counties. We have a single product, so to speak, one medical record. We take care of patients the same way throughout the region, and we're local um, so that all of our profits and how we reinvest stays here in the region. We're a level two trauma center. So what that means is outside of research, we can take care of um, patients from the most severe trauma patients. We have a neonatal intensive care unit. So a few of the characteristics of the of our hospital. I've been at Stormont for 20 years. I approached the organization about starting a clinical research center in 2004. And I guess I was in the right place at the right time because that program has become very successful um, over that time period. And what we do in the research program is partner with um, pharmaceutical companies, um, biologic companies, universities, and other research companies, and test different um, potential treatments with patients in our health system, and then support other research works with outcome-based science and some other things. So Stormont Vale is a Topeka-based, the headquarters is in Topeka, correct? Correct. Where's the name Stormont Vale come from? I know people hear it all the time, but what, what exactly, 
What what contributed to the name? It's combination of two of our legacy founders. So Reverend Thomas Vale, I believe. His wife was philanthropic in the Topeka area and started a hospital. Um, what's interesting about that hospital is it was located in Potwin, which is a small Victorian neighborhood in Topeka where I grew up. And so that hospital was at the end of Greenwood Avenue. So when I was in junior high, probably, my friends and I would climb up the back stairs of that hospital and stargaze and think about our futures. So I was connected to Stormont at, at that point. But Vail is the School of Nursing um, that was founded about that time, and then they merged. I'd, I'd have to think about the year. So we have this combination of Stormont Vale and Cotton O'Neill, which was the two founders of our medical practice um, with whom Stormont Vale merged about 25 years ago. Yeah, so that's another point. So Cotton O'Neill has had a presence in Manhattan for a number of years. That is a Stormont uh, group. And then you also are partners in some degree with the uh, surgical hospital in Manhattan as well. So you're you all are invested obviously in Manhattan. Why why has Stormont decided to invest in Manhattan uh, in such a significant way? Sure. So 10 years ago, Stormont was approached by a group in Manhattan of primary care and some specialty medicine physicians and their interest in joining our joining our health system. So that came to be and over the last 10 years our services here have grown into 25 providers delivering care with 115 team members, and we're out of room. Um, we have a new psychiatrist joining our practice, and um, he had recently retired from the Army, Fort Riley, and wanted to make this area home. So we love that he's joining our practice, but we don't have anywhere to put him. So he's actually working in Topeka until we open our new facility um, but we we just don't have the space now to bring the right technology and to expand and to meet some of the needs in the community. But you see opportunity, obviously, from getting additional business and those kind of things because you all continue to put providers here and invest in facilities. You know, the Manhattan community as well is expected to grow and has a promising future as well as the region. So a lot of it is about what's happened organically with our providers and they're busy and they're um, they're liked in the community, but also our ability to think ahead and to know how can we be a part of taking care of uh, this community as it grows. So you talked about space. You all are working on a new facility, correct? Correct. I mean, most pe Some people may not see it because not a lot of people go on North Manhattan, but there's a large facility being constructed on North Manhattan. Talk about that project. What What's going to be available in that new facility? Well, first of all, the building is really kind of special. It is beautiful on the inside. Um, our architects and design team have, I think, created something that will be a different, a unique experience for patients and for visitors. Um, the technology, too, is state-of-the-art. Um, we are adding several services, a lot of imaging and diagnostic services. I get asked, is this a clinic? Is it a um, urgent care. And it really is a, it's a comprehensive clinic with some services that are typically offered in a hospital, um, imaging and diagnostic in particular. Um, but we've added x-ray, we've expanded our nuclear medicine testing, um, we've added some neurology testing equipment. Um, we have a brand new CT. We have one in our current facility, but we've we've bought a new one, and it's 126 slice. And that, a slice is really a picture of the body. The one we have right now is 16 slice. Oh wow! That's... So th the technology is really 
really pretty great. We're also adding several uh, subspecialists. Um, I mentioned behavioral health. We have an endocrinologist who will be joining us. We're adding a medical weight management program. And we're also really changing how we operationalize the building. Uh, number one, we're having our first local coffee shop in a Stormontvale facility. So Redina's will be on the first floor of our facility with a full service. We're excited about that. But we're also just changing and kind of streamlining and modernizing how we register patients, how we move them through the building and some other things that I think will be a, a good opportunity for us as a health system to learn from. And you're, the current doctor's here are moving into that facility as well. Is that correct? They are. And that that's the most potent thing that we're doing is bringing everyone together. We had a sneak peek at the uh, building probably three or four weeks ago, and I saw two different physicians introduce themselves to each other. And they're, you know, they live in Manhattan. They're part of the medical community, but you know how busy everyone is. And just the ability for us to be together, there's a synchronicity there. And there's also, you know, it's it's meaningful and it's enjoyable to be with your coworkers, and it creates a culture of just caring for each other and supporting each other. So that'll be a big part of our change. Yeah. And I know we have a, a ribbon cutting scheduled for August. What's the official open date? When will you start moving people into that facility? We start moving in, in on July 12th. It takes a while to get all of us and all of our equipment in there. So we'll be in by the beginning of August and kind of a soft opening, so to speak, but we will be seeing patients there. And then we're having a ribbon-cutting ceremony on Friday, August 18th at 10 o'clock. And we really look forward to getting people in the building and to um, sharing that space with everyone. Yeah, we'll be excited to be there, too. I remember I was there for the groundbreaking as well and and uh, had a chance to say a few words. And so it'll be, it'll be exciting to see that come to fruition. Uh, you also have recently invested in Junction City. And um, just talk a little bit about that project and why you all decided to make that move. Somewhat similar to Manhattan providers approaching us, Stormont Vale was approached by the Geary County leadership about our interest in potentially operating that hospital, stabilizing it, and, you know, a lot of negotiation and hard work and solving problems and um, seeing how we could make it possible endured. And we began uh, managing that facility last July, and we own it as of January 1st. So it might not have been something on our radar, but physicians have a deep commitment to taking care of patients in need, and that community has an unmet need. And if that hospital had closed, that wouldn't have been, been good for those people, their families, that that community in our region. So I, I think that it was a call to action in many ways. And it also lines up nicely with our commitment and our new facility and, and investment in Manhattan. Um, and we'll have the ability to further integrate a lot of our services in the region. And that facility changed, had a name change, correct? It did. And what's the name of the facility now? It is the Stormontvale Health Flint Hills Campus. I'm sure there's still some wrinkles to iron out. We do. Um, it's been a lot of work. And essentially, we began running that facility with our same team members. So people driving from Topeka and Manhattan, we had a lot of people in interim roles. And, you know, one of the things we've observed in is in addition to the Geary County Hospital employees who are now Stormontvale employees, but through those first months, their response to us being there, helping them we observed so many of our team members going back and talking about how meaningful it was for them. And, you know, there's something about looking at yourself, whether a person, an organization, a business, 
through the eyes of others where it reminds you about what you love about your organization and how you can work together to get things done. So it's been very positive in that perspective. We are recruiting um, several physicians. The emergency room is now run by Stormont Vale Physicians only, as well as the um, hospital. So that alone has been a significant change. And last month, we got very, very close to breaking even, which is far ahead of the fiscal projection that we had. So people are people are going there and they're appreciating getting care at home in their local community. So I think by all accounts, it's going really well. So you talked a little bit about you, you'd been the leader of the research uh, entity at Stormont in, in Topeka for a number of years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I think I'm going to move to Manhattan and operate the, uh, the regional division there. What made you decide to do that? That's exactly how it went down. I just kind of was on a whim. Those are the best. Sometimes those are the best decisions. Seriously. I, um, I thought I would retire with Stormont Vale in my previous role as the director of research. I was happy. But 18 years is a long time to do the same thing. Um, I always wanted to live in another community, and I didn't want to go far because my parents are in Topeka, and I spend time with them, and I have my children nearby and other family members. So when I got this opportunity, it's like the dream job for me. I'm an hour away from Topeka. I'm connected um, to my history there. But gosh, living in Manhattan, Kansas, and being able to work for Stormont in this capacity, it's its just great. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And so you obviously knew Manhattan before you came here, having been this close and gone to school here. But I assume that you're having a, a good time. And talk a little bit about why, why you like living in Manhattan. Yeah, it's been interesting over the past two years to observe and reflect how people describe the Manhattan community and why, why it's special to them. And people always comment on the nature of the people who live here uh, being kind and um, open and for sure, that's that's the case. People often talk about the beauty of Manhattan, and this this area is phenomenal. I live um, near Colbert Hills on Grand Mere. I think it's the prettiest place on the planet. Um, just to take an evening walk and to watch the sunset, it's unbelievable being part of the Flint Hills, being in the Flint Hills. But I've got to say, I think for me, what people don't talk about a lot, and you alluded to it when you asked me this question, is Manhattan is fun. It is fun to live here. There's so much to do. There's just a level of excitement, and probably a lot of that comes out of K-State athletics, but it's not just that. There's just a lot of fun things happening in this community. So when uh, you moved to Manhattan, Matt Pavarnik, who's my counterpart in Topeka at the chamber there, talked about your engagement and how how sad they were that you left and how lucky we were. So you've been engaged with chambers for a while, and you've become engaged with our chamber. Why, why do you think that's important, uh, and why has it been important to you to be involved in chambers of commerce in the communities where you've lived? Yeah. Um, before I answer that, I, this would be a good time to congratulate you and the and the Manhattan Chamber on your recent five star accreditation by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. And I I also appreciated how you distributed that information in the email, saying a lot of what you do is recognizing others in the community, but you wanted to share the good work that your team has done, and that approach didn't surprise me either. So that's that's great. Congratulations. And Topeka is also a five star chamber. So well, we there were just, you go. Them, we were just following their lead. That's wonderful. Um, I so enjoyed my time working with the Topeka Chamber, and they're a great group of people in a great community. There's something about chambers that obviously I I enjoy, and I, I was thinking about this at a recent meeting. It's such a diverse group of people 
coming together um, and working towards the same goal. And I know that sounds kind of corny, but it's very applicable because there's there's a shared interest. I, I think that's part of it is, you know, representing an organization in a chamber is important, but what you're really doing is making your community better for you, for your family, for your children, and for the future. And um, I've just really enjoyed that work. I hope that's not corny because that's what we use to sell the organization <laughs> okay, on a fairly you, regular you basis. Can borrow that. Because it, it's true. And that's really the his, the history of chambers most are that, that businesses came together for a common, in a lot of cases, a single project. Uh, when I was uh, in Lincoln and we were looking at our history there, uh, the reason the chamber formed there, I think the commerce business, uh, commerce, um, organization or something like that, was that they had a group of people who were interested in making sure all the roads, roads were paved. And so they brought this group together and they worked on that. I'm, you know, I'm sure here was a similar situation. I do know, uh, as we looked at our history, a lot of some things we've done here as a chamber is we've helped finance Memorial Stadium. We uh, helped uh, secure the property that the KS is on the hill. Oh. Uh, I mean, you know, so there's a lot of our history and we're, we're, we're going to have our centennial in two years. And so we're trying to put those things together. But that truly is what chambers are about is people from a diverse set of businesses. So we have solo pr- solopreneurs yep. all the way up to thousands of employees. But there is a common goal that as a community, we need to grow and prosper economically. And that benefits all of us. No, I think that's, I don't well think said. it's corny at all. I think that's that's who we're about. And I appreciate you saying so. So the last question we have as part of our uh, regular segment of the program is, if you had one piece of advice for a young professional who was breaking into the business community, what would that be? Be curious. You know, it's easy to hear from people who have experience, you know, to always ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. But gosh, that is so true. Um, ask questions and th- and wonder why things started. Ask about the background. Get context and and. I think in so many ways, um, curiosity can really change a trajectory of understanding and therefore uh, opportunity. I agree with that 100%. I'm not as good at it as I wish I was, but um, I've heard from some big leaders across you know different industries over the years. And the one thing that sort of connects them all is they all are very inquisitive of people. We were talking about our new facility recently and having a discussion about the facilities management and and environmental services. And somebody mentioned this device that is in the bathrooms. I can't remember what it's called. It's a strange kind of modern sounding name. And I asked what it is. I'm like, what's a, I should have looked it up. It's like, what's a sterile air or something? And it's a deodorizer. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, deodorizer fragrances. I'm, I'm not a real fan. I guess I don't believe in the cover up theory. I said, I wonder if we can not use them. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'd have to make sure that everyone likes that idea. But gosh, let's talk about it. So like a week later, I go to my office and there's this black case sitting on my desk right in front of my chair. It's kind of a hard case like a toolbox. And I pop open the snaps and I open it up and there's all these little vials with a fluid in them and these you know, perfectly little labeled names on them. And there's a little sticker on one, a sticky note, and it says, Stormont Vale uses this. Well, one of my coworkers had dug into it and... I end up with all of the samples of the fragrances that we can use. So we have the spontaneous smell testing, and they're kind of terrible. But we found a few that were much more natural smelling and organic. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to do that. It's what's called like bamboo tea something or other. And 
we find out that we can use that fragrance and we can do it at half the strength. But I was presenting the next day to a Manhattan group about the building. And so I was thinking about that. Um, I think I was just so tickled that I got to smell all these fragrances. So anyway, I was thinking about it and I searched, you know, the effect of room deodorizer on humans. And I found a National Institutes of Health article and people's adverse events to room deodorizer literally is 19%. And they describe these adverse events as being, you know, eye strain, headache, um, you know, respiratory, the things that, we, you know, we know when fragrances bother us. So essentially, we'd be putting something in the, our bathrooms for people to come to get health care when one in five of them are going to have an adverse event to the smell that's in there. So the question and being curious about what our options are ultimately arguably, is improving how somebody feels, maybe their health. So it worked out. And now our listeners will know when they come into your facility why the bathroom smells like a dust. Boom. So there you go. <laughs> the things you learn on the Think MHK right. podcast. You heard it here first. So that's the end of our regular questions. We now move to the infamous rapid fire section of the podcast. And so we have 10 questions that we will ask you and just answer uh, as quickly as you can, short answer, and, and uh, we'll learn a little more about Mary Martell. Are you ready? Got it. Okay. If you could only watch one movie or television show for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ted Lasso. It is so good. Uh, what do you want people to remember about you? That I inspired them. If you could go back in time for a day, what day would you go to? Well, I have two sons, so it's not really fair to say that. So maybe the morning of my youngest son's birth and the afternoon of my oldest son's birth. I can do a combo. Uh, well, speaking of kids, what job did you want when you were a kid? I really wanted to be a writer for the first half of my childhood, and I really wanted to be a physician for the second half. And neither of those came to be, but I was thinking as a healthcare administrator, I kind of write emails about physicians and healthcare. So maybe I maybe I accomplished both of those. What is your most prized possession? So I called one of my sisters and I said, hey, I'm I'm doing a podcast and they might ask this question about what's my favorite earthly possession? And before I was done with the story, my sister said, your red heart. So I don't know why I'm revealing this about myself, but nonetheless. Because that's what we do on the Think of Mitch Kane <laughs> podcast. I got a glass red heart from my oldest son from his class in elementary school as a thank you because I taught art all through their grammar school. They, they Their school had a program for volunteers for parents. And so I love teaching art. It was a way for me to get to know them in the classroom, et cetera. So anyway, I've hang it from my rearview mirror. And I've done that in every car since they were little. I move it car to car. And my sister reminded me that I told her I want her to put it in my casket when I die. So that is my favorite possession. Where is the best place you've traveled? Peru. I went with my sons and a sister. You've seen a theme here. And we went to Machu Picchu and uh, Limo and Costco. But the, the remarkable part was we went on a riverboat cruise for three or four days on the Amazon. And I was reading a book by... Candace Mallard, I believe, she's a Baker University graduate, called The River of Doubt. And it was about Theodore Roosevelt when he did an expedition of the Amazon, which is an amazing story. And he describes being with his crew in the jungle and hearing the sound that's like a monster in the forest. And they go looking for it. And it turns out it's a holler monkey, like a small monkey that makes this real deep sound. And so I was reading that book 
and we were able to hear these holler monkeys while we were there. So that was kind of kind of fun. That's interesting because we we had an experience the other night uh, where. I guess as a family, we'd never heard a fox yell before, and we walked outside, and it sounds like somebody's, you know, being stabbed or something. And horrific. And it's yeah, it's yeah. interesting. So sounds animals make is 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 interesting. What is the one thing that instantly makes your day better? Talking to my sons. Explain an inside joke you have with a friend or family member. Well, because I have five sisters, and we spend a lot of time together, and we know each other really well. Our life is an inside joke. What did you do as a teenager that makes you cringe now? Lay by the pool without any sunscreen. Have you heard that before? No, but a lot of us have done that. Last question. Who inspires you the most and why? I guess I'd have to say my sisters. You know, I spend a lot of time with my parents and my sons. And the relationship you have with a parent and a child is just a little different than a sister. It's like easy and kind of pure. And they are intelligent and funny and kind. They're they're just great. So I'd say they inspire me, but mostly they inspire me to, to have fun and to live life and to travel and to, you know, do the things. So I've got to say them. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, appreciate the fact that you've decided to move to Manhattan and be an active part of our community and an active part of the chamber. And uh, we look forward to many years of, of you being a leader with our organization. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.